0: Please stand with me as I read Joshua 21:43 through 45. Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it and they settled there, and the Lord gave them rest on every side just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all of their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all of their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Hallelujah. Amen. Good to see you this morning. And we're reading along through the the whole story, and we've uh, finished the Torah, and then we read uh, Joshua, and we we'll finished that, and we're in the middle of reading uh, judges together. So we'll kind of look at the end of of Joshua here in our text today and and, and jump into a little bit into judges. We'll look at what this text covers uh, the land of uh, the rest and every word of God being uh, delivered uh, as promised. So the, the land. The land, as promised, it it says that the Lord uh, gave to Israel all the land that He swore to give their fathers, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. So during the life of Joshua... Joshua, we see that, and all of the the, the elders, the leaders of the tribes uh, that, that had seen the great work of the Lord. If you remember the story, these are the kids that have now grown up, all the kids that were under 20 that saw the deliverance. The others above that age have died in the wilderness, and, and Joshua and Caleb are the only two, if you want to call them older guys, that are leading in, and Joshua is that appointed leader to lead them into the promised land. And that has has happened here, and this is just a summation kind of text here. it's a good word uh, uh, from from the Lord here, closing that the, the Lord gave the land as promised, and they took possession of it. So they're there, and there's this time of enjoying their inheritance, right? This is a scripture saying that God had delivered and they're now there in the promised land and they're enjoying that promise from the Lord, their inheritance of this land that had been promised for hundreds and hundreds of years, clear back to, to Abraham. And But this is what we read after uh, Joshua's death as we get into Judges. He's uh, reviewing what has happened through Joshua's leadership, and in Judges chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, say this, "...when Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel." So again, this is a period of time of peace in the land during the life of Joshua and even after he died, those that continued to live that had seen the deliverance from Egypt, there was a period of uh, peace in the land where they took possession of the land. There was rest from their enemies, and there was a, a, a period where they were enjoying the full uh, promise of God there was a, a, a time of obedience to the Lord and serving him but in Judges two ten, we kind of look and we see kind of an issue that arises here Judges two ten says and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers so the rest of those that were older um, uh, that had you know du- you know elders that continued to live after Joshua that had seen their deliverance they died too so all that whole generation that was led out of Egypt uh, died. So you follow me in the story there? That's where we're at in Judges there. So it says, And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that He had done for Israel. So this is another generation that's come up, and they do not know the Lord or the work they had they weren't there they weren't in Egypt they're not growing up under that and they weren't led across the Red Sea they weren't led so this generation is in the promised land and our text says that you know thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers and they took possession of it and they settled there so these people are just growing up being born there settled there coming up there and what we see in Judges, not to go through the whole book, but we see, as the Bible Project guys kind of explain, this downward spiral of this generation that doesn't know the Lord, they begin uh, to, to sin and, and forsake the Lord. And so they begin to serve the gods, of the, they get absorbed in their culture. They get like the gods, the way they worship their gods. They start getting their gods and they disobey the Lord and they intermarry with them. That's considered disobedience to the Lord in this case because as they intermarry with these nations, they want to serve their gods. So it's a falling away from the Lord. There's not a, it would be similar to the New Testament scripture that says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So as Christians today, we don't want to marry someone who doesn't believe in Jesus because they will want to live a different way than, than we do. We want to live serving the Lord. So that was happening. And as they intermarried uh, with these other uh, nations amongst them, they fell away just like the Lord told them they would do. They would serve their gods. And so this is happening, and you see that as they fall into sin, then they fall in back into slavery, kind of like back in Egypt. They fall back into the oppression of their enemies and we see this cycle go down. They, it gets worse and worse and worse. And then finally they say, who are we? Oh, we're Israelites. Well, who, what are we supposed to be doing? Well, we were supposed to have a different God. Who is that God? Well, let's cry out to him. Maybe he'll help us. And so this generation doesn't know the Lord, but they turn back under deep, deep, deep times of distress and oppression. It has to get really bad, but they do turn back to the Lord. The Lord supernaturally um, uh, brings his spirit upon a deliverer who delivers them and the oppression and they have a little, a small period of peace and then they fall back into sin again and this cycle goes on the period of judges is a period of about 400 years of this happening of these different judges coming up these chieftain tribal leaders who lead Israel back to the Lord falling away back to the Lord serving other gods in this cycle but it gets worse and worse the, the falling away from the Lord gets further and further away, and uh, the, the amount of, uh, you know, sin just seems to grow and grow and grow. There's just the spiraling downwards. And so there's more to uh, the story, though, as, as we see God is doing the work. What is it about God that he is still delivering on? He's still compassionate and that he will cry when people cry for his mercy. He 's a God whose steadfast love just doesn 't seem to give up on these people, and he continues to use uh, fallen mankind, people with not great character. You may look at these people and go, "Well, they have this quality or that quality, but they don 't gideon's scared he 's a coward he 's hiding out in a cave. Samson is a womanizer he 's all these things, all these things they 're not God uses these people, these deliverers who don 't have good qualities. But he puts his, by his mercy, he puts his spirit upon them to deliver his people because he has compassion for his people. They're like sheep without a shepherd, and they don't know him, and his compassion is still for them. He still wants to l- deliver on his end of his promises. And so in our text today, we saw that while Joshua was alive in verse, uh, Joshua twenty-one forty-four of our text, the next verse, it says, and the Lord gave them rest. we we'll look at that word rest. You know, there was a period of time under Joshua and those that had seen the deliverance from the Lord where they where they had a period of rest on every side just as he had sworn to their fathers they weren't warring with any enemies they weren't under oppression they could go out and farm and their crops were growing and they could go harvest and they could have grapes and make wine and make bread and and they had food and their children were growing up in peace they had this rest on every side none of their enemies were bothering them uh, it says, not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. And we'll look at that portion of rest uh, uh, because it was very important, um, but it was, it was, it was temporary, as, as we've already looked at in, in the following book of Judges after Joshua dies. There wasn't that rest from enemies. There was this constant oppression from the enemy. And this scripture of rest and this importance is mentioned in Psalm 95, verse 11. There's something that happened that permanently the people of God would not enter God's rest. And I want to look at that. Psalm 95:11 says this. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, Therefore, I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. And so there's a... A permanent type of rest that God wanted to give the people of of Israel, but they would not enter it, and they hadn't entered that to this time. And in Psalm 95, the psalmist is commenting on that. And he says this in Psalm uh, 95, 7. He says, today if you hear his voice. Today if you hear his voice. And so he's saying that today... Something can happen. It hasn't happened, but today if you hear his voice. He's talking about today. And he says, Do not harden your hearts, Psalm 95, 8, as you did at Meribah, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness. So he's taking about back to this story when Israel in Exodus hardened their hearts at the wilderness. And Psalm 95.9 goes on to say, When your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. Remember, these are the people who had seen God's plagues upon Egypt, the deliverance of parting the Red Sea, all these miracles. They had seen his provision. And yet, um, in in Psalm 95.10, it says, For forty years I loathed that generation. And said, They are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So that people didn't follow the Lord fully either. And God is revealing about what their hearts, they always tend to go astray, and they haven't known his ways. And the problem of sin is just repeated over and over again. It's this problem of this heart that goes astray, it's this problem of this hard heart. And God. uh, and, and, and how the people still don't believe, even though they've seen all these things. It's that they don't believe. And that's what Exodus 17, 7, when you go back to the story of Massa and Meribah says. It's because they were, the people were quarreling, it says, and, and they were fighting amongst each other. And it says they tested the Lord that day by saying, is the Lord among us or not? So even though they had seen all that things, they were still questioning is God even amongst us now? We're thirsty, and we don't even have water, and they were, and it caused a, a fighting amongst each other. And, and God, God that generation. That's pretty strong words. You know, I, I I do so much for them, and then yet one little hiccup, you know, thing uh, they don't trust me, you know, and so it's it's you see God's heart here, his struggle to to love a people who won't follow follow him and his goodness. His goodness for him, you know, to say that the Lord is not, is he among us or not, is is just hurtful to the Lord. And so he swears at that time that they won't enter his rest. And so Joshua here in our text, where it says they did have this rest, it is a temporary rest. And we see through the judges immediately that it was a short-lived temporary rest until that next generation rose up. But I want to look at this different Joshua. Uh, a lot of us have heard the name Yeshua. You know, that's that, that word. And then another way to really say Joshua. Hebrews, Yehoshua. And, and that's who Jesus was. That was his name. His name was, was Yehoshua. His name was Joshua. You know, we call it Jesus. We translate it that way. But Jesus is the new Joshua. You know, he is, he is the one who will lead God's people into that rest he's the guy that will you know that that that, you know where God says you know by his wrath he swore they won't enter my rest he's the he's the Yahushua who will who will take the failures upon himself the wrath of of the of God upon himself so that we can enter that rest this this tension has to be resolved here And the psalmist is tapping in on that in Psalm 95 when he says, Today, if you hear his voice, like you can enter that rest. They knew about Sabbath, and they knew about Sabbath rest, and they knew about a a day. But this psalmist is just saying it doesn't have to be that day. It can be any day. It can be today. Today, you can hear his voice. Today, if you hear hear his voice, you can enter that rest. Sounds kind of puzzling because they're like, well, it's not the Sabbath. It's not what rest are you talking about? And the psalmist is leading us to who Jesus will be. And in Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, as we get to seeing who Jesus is, and Hebrews 3 starts leading out that Jesus will be greater than Moses. So we're like, oh, yeah, this is the deliverer we need, you know not just a servant in the house, but Jesus will be a son in the house, a son over the house. He will bring these things. And so then Hebrews 4 starts talking about Jesus being this priest, not like Aaron in that whole line of Levi, but a priest that he promised before Aaron even got started, this priest that would be like Melchizedek. This priest according, this promise that God made, and he's delivering on it and has delivered on it in Jesus, this high priest. And this is what you need. You need this priest, man, who will be the Yehoshua that lets you into this rest because Joshua didn't give it to the people. So even though we're reading our text under Joshua, they entered that rest, They never fully entered that rest. And here's what Hebrews 4, 8 through 10 says. Hear the word of the Lord. For if Joshua had given them rest, you our text said they did have rest, but if he had given them the rest I'm talking about that this priest needs to give, if if Joshua, he's going back to the story, right? He's mentioning Joshua, Yehoshua. If, If he had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day. Do you want to know about this another day? I do. You know, if 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 he wouldn't have to speak of another day if Joshua delivered it all. But God spoke of another day later on that would come. And so, verse 9 says of Hebrews 4, so then there remains a Sabbath rest. Start looking for that. What a Sabbath rest is the Sabbath. What What is this type of rest? There still remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Verse 10, For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So he is talking about Sabbath rest like creation, like God rested from his after he made the world. See, God made and created all things, and he is referring that to here you guys following the sabbath rest following that you know god did rest on the 7th day and then what did he do he established that for man he established you know work 6 days but rest one day like i did you know be like me i made you in my image have a day where you just rest where you just you know just absorb my joy of who you are in me that that i just just you know just meditate on on my love for you and And just slow down and just stop all all your things and just let it. So that rest is all good. All those things. But you know what? Besides that weekly rhythm of rest, there's another day God's talking about here. There's another day. And what he's repeated is this refrain over and over today that that day is today. Well, you mean it's not the seventh day after six days? No. It's like the psalmist said. This, this is a quote from the Meribah. This, this is a quote from Psalm 95. This is, a, this is a Yehoshua. Who was it that did he give him rest here in our text? And he, and, but God spoke of another day. He said, you'd never enter my rest. And so what rest is that day? And he's talking about this priest that will arise, a, a leader beyond Moses, a leader beyond Joshua, this high priest, and he's saying, you need him. You need his, this rest. Only the rest that he can bring. And Hebrews 4, 2 through 3, it was saying that this rest was this salvation rest. Hear the word of the Lord in Hebrews 4, 2 and 3. For good news came to us, does good news come to you? For good news came to us just as it did to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them. Why? Why did they not enter that rest? Why did the message, why did the good news that we read today that God delivered on all His promises, why did it not? Why were they like that at Meribah? Why were they like that at Masa? What was going on? The writer of Hebrews is saying here. He's saying that they did not benefit them because they were not united by faith. The message they heard didn't mix with faith. They didn't place their leaning reliance, trust in it. They saw it. They saw miracles. They, they did it, and then, then they just turned away. Their heart was not made new by faith. And he's saying, they, they got good news. They got Joshua's good news. They got the report when Joshua came back. But it wasn't mixed by faith. It was mixed by, we can't overtake those giants. And they wandered in the wilderness and died. And the next generation has this period of peace. But the next generation after them repeats those same things over and over again in this cycle. Not mixed by faith, this writer of Hebrews is saying. Giving us that good news message. Similar to our good news message that we've heard today in Jesus it has to be united by faith. And, and Hebrews 4.3 says, For we who have believed, listen to this, for we who have believed have entered that rest. That rest where he said, Today, today, any day. <laughs> Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday, any day today, you can enter that rest by mixing the Word of God with your faith and saying, I trust in this, you deliverer, Jesus, this new Joshua has delivered the rest and I believe it and I put my life into it, I put my trust into it, I rely, if, if, I, if I lean on it and it doesn't hold me up, I'm a, I'm, go, I'm a goner, that's how much my life is on this, on this Jesus rock. He's either going to sustain me or I'm going down for the last time. That's what I'm talking about, this rest in. He's my hope, and he's my only hope. He's my rest, and he's my only rest. And for those who have believed, the writer of Hebrews is saying, has entered this rest. Joshua didn't give it. Jesus gives you that saving Eternal rest, when you hear the Word of God, that seed comes into your heart and he either is it mixed with faith or it's not. When it's mixed with faith, it starts producing in you. It starts producing in you a new life, a new heart that trusts in God and doesn't constantly turn away from Him, but it leans on Him. It's tested and it passes the test. It continually, and I'm not saying we don't fail you know, but when we do and we cry out for mercy, He's there to help us and lift us up. And there's this overall view of our life, not that there's failings along the way, but there's this overall view of life that you're moving towards God. You're moving towards possessing your inheritance in Jesus. And you're settling in that land. And you're resting in Jesus. And those are just the first two points in the first two scriptures. And the, the best... Um, Scripture is is the final one, where he says uh, that this. Hear the word of the Lord from Joshua twenty one forty five, the last scripture of our text today. Not one word. I just love this. I couldn't get past this text and preach something else. Said not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass, and that's a pattern of God. That's a pattern of God that He delivers. On his word. Uh, when I was young, I, I memorized this scripture. It was back in Numbers. And it says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? And I, I grew up saying that verse over and over again. And I grew up just learning that he doesn't fail me. He, and he never goes back on his word. And when I would fall and I'd go out back on my word or I'd fail in my promises or commitments to my wife or to my kids, I'd say, "It's not like you, God. You don't ever fail. But I love that about God. And he'd say, just keep being like me. Get back up. Come on. And he gives you that encouragement to, to press in to him. I love this scripture. It's a pattern of God's steadfast love, and you can even see it through judges. I know it's hard to read. It's 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 violent and it's you know it's it's disappointing, it's discouraging. We've cried some as we've read some of the stories. It's disheartening in, in certain ways that but God delivers on his promises. I've loved this scripture in Second Corinthians one twenty. It says, for all the promises of God find their yes in Him. How I many of y'all know who Him is? In <laughs> Jesus. He's the Yehoshua. All their promises of God find their yes in Jesus. And Jesus invites us into, into His rest. And in the one place, there's a beautiful uh, book out. Teresa and I read it together. Um, called Gentle and Lowly and uh, by Dane Ortland, and it's, it's, a, it's a good book, and it's centered around this verse that he says this is the only place in all the Gospels and all the Bible where, 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 where Jesus reveals his heart. Like he says, this is who I am. I'm going to tell you who I am. And this is what he says. He says, come to me, in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, And I will give you rest. Rest is what we're talking about. Rest. Then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. Here's who he says he is. I am gentle and lowly in heart, humble in heart. And he says, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, Jesus is that Yehoshua that does deliver the rest that Joshua could never deliver fully. And so, Jesus delivers fully. He is the yes and amen of every promise of God. Uh, He is and has delivered upon it. He's uh, that saving faith that uh, that brings us into peace with God. It brings us into that rest. Here's what Romans 5.1 says. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. When that word was mixed with faith... Faith. Now we have his rest. We we have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through him. It's everything that Jesus did for us. And so in Romans five nine, uh, right after that, it says, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood. It was Jesus' sacrifice on, on his blood that brought us peace. And it says, therefore, just as we've been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. This is in our gospel announcement. We say, we say this scripture, we say we've been saved from the wrath of God into peace with God. You know, we say that every day. This is important. It's the doctrine of when faith is mixed with you, that, that sworn curse to not ever into my rest has been broken and taken by Jesus, and he brings you into his peace and his rest. And that's what encourages my soul, is I've gone to Jesus by his grace and mercy, and, I, and, 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 and he gives me rest. He constantly gives me rest, and he lets me know everything's going to be all right no matter what I'm going through. And when I'm joyful, he just shines on my joys and makes me even happier. And when I'm sad, he lifts me up. And we're a people who who try to do that together with with one another. We're sorrowful with those who are sorrowful, and we rejoice with those who rejoice. And uh, I love Rifle's prayers. Uh, don't you guys love Rifle's intercession and prayer for us? It was really, really special this morning. But it's good all the time. I remember Rifle calling, and we were just talking. And he goes, and this morning when I was praying and I was looking out at the stars, and I just want you to pause there. <laughs> Not with what else he said. <laughs> I'm like, because that means he's like at his window, looking out his window when he's praying and it's still dark because he's looking at the stars. I just wanted you to say that. And so, because and after that, he kept going on about what he prayed. And I was like, rifle was up this morning when was the stars. <laughs> Your mind got kind of drips off. And that's when he prays. But, I mean, it's good it 's good you know to have the Word of God and to have prayer and to have uh, you know good fellowship with with people who want to encourage you and I think that 's something that we have I think it 's precious, I think it 's worth preserving and it doesn 't matter what I think because ultimately if God you know wants it, he will do it, and He will preserve it. He preserves things and he uproots things, and it 's all in his hands ultimately, but since He has preserved us thus far, let's keep doing the work that he's called us to do. Amen. And so let's keep believing in him and trusting in him and what's encouraged my heart is this idea and a lot of this does come uh from this book gentle and lowly, what I might say here, but it's that when we look at Hebrews 4, what the importance of being having this yehoshua who who delivered this rest is you need a high priest you need a high priest who's in the order of Melchizedek. You need a Joshua to give you this rest. You need it. If you don't have it. You need this. You need this. And so when he gets to Hebrews 7, here's what he says. You know, he says, because uh, he, he's bringing this back. I, I want you to focus on, on, on verse 25. Hear here verse 25 first. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost. Did you know you need to save to the uttermost? He saves to the othermost. To the guttermost, I heard a preacher say once. You know, you reach that guttermost, lowest, and He saves you, digs down that deep, and saves that rebellious heart that always turns away. That we sing about, "I'm prone to wonder, Lord." And when we sing that, you know, I mean, if you don't know that about your heart, that's that's the people of Israel. They're prone to wonder, you know, and and they you drift away over and over again. That's just a sign to us. We're prone to wonder too, and. uh And uh, the scripture says, Save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, that's Jesus, through this high priest, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Did you hear that? He always lives to me. You know why he resurrected? He's from the dead. and He's exalted at the right. You think his work is finished? He's got, he's got you entered in that rest, but his work isn't finished. His work is he's interceding for you. I want you to think about that. I want you to ponder that. And I want you to connect it with all of this that I'm, that I'm trying to tell you through this story because the verses before that says the Lord has sworn it. Remember I said he's going to bring every word to pass that he says? And that's what this scripture talked about in Hebrews seven twenty one. It says, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. And he, he, he did this with, with, with who Jesus is. And, and, and verse 22 says, this makes Jesus the guarantee of a better covenant. His promises in the new covenant are better. It makes Jesus the guarantee of them, the guarantor of them. As he says, former priests, there were many in number, but they were prevented by death from continuing in office. They would die another one, take they would die another one. take But he holds the priesthood permanently. Whew, you don't need another priest that's going to die because he's resurrected. We're, we're looking at resurrection, right? Resurrection Sunday coming right upon us uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, Easter, I hope. Everybody comes out. We're trying to plan a special service for it. we got some people. Teresa worked with them yesterday for worship. We're going to get a we're live band up here again, and we're going to have a beautiful Easter service, and I hope you can come and your friends can come. But this resurrection of who Jesus is, this exalted Yehoshua who caused us to enter into his rest through his own blood. has taken us through, through his own blood, justified us, made us righteous, brought us from the wrath of God into peace with God. In this relationship, he hasn't still given up and quit his work for you. I was like, "Well, that's enough, God. And he's like, and now I live exalted at God's right hand. And I live as high priest, according to Melchizedek. And you want to know what I'm doing for you? Why I'm living forever? To make intercession for you. That, that this salvation for you will stick. And it's, it's powerful. Uh, we miss sometimes that this doctrine of Jesus, the intercessor. And that's not from the book, but the book goes on in one chapter to explain about the doctrine of Jesus being our intercessor. And, I, you know, this is kind of in my words, but this chapter says, what is Christ doing right now? Think of, think of him. What is Christ doing right now? And it says he's making intercession for you, the believer. It's hard to receive, but he is. He's praying for you. And he said, we like Israel, we'll drift from such a great salvation. But Jesus keeps working on our our behalf so that we won't drift from from Him. The heart of Jesus that went all the way to the cross for you still beats with fervent love for you. It's not that, oh, it really beat for me while He was going to the cross, the the Via Della Rosa, it really beat for me, and now He's just distant. He's, he's still beating for you. These are words that encourage me, that help me to hold on during hard times. And, and uh, you know, I know we're hurting through COVID, and I know that we might be hurting as a church, but these are words that encourage me, and I want them to encourage you. And it's that Jesus is praying for me, and he's prayed for you. This is the encouragement I have to give to you. This is the comfort I have to give to you, is that um, the intercession for the believer is this moment-by-moment application of what he did at the cross for us. He's still moment-by-moment atoning his work for me that he accomplished for me on the cross. And the father delights to say yes to the son pleading on our behalf. I like to think that Jesus is saying yes to me, but he's saying yes to his son on my behalf. So he not only died in my place, he's interceding in my place. He's pleading to the father, help Bobby, help Johanna Presley and Emily and Alex and what they're going through. I want to mention all your names. Grace Harvest Church, come on. Jesus is praying for you. And, 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 and this intercession of Christ. Think of him like, you know, he was in this room or in the prayer room. Let's say the prayer room that's real pretty in there. And he's in there praying for you. He's praying for you. He's in that room praying for you. He's in that room praying for you. I well, if you can hear him. <laughs> Help them, encourage them, intercede for them. It's it's a beautiful image of Jesus being our intercessor. Our 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 follies like Israel's its it sins and it, and that's why it says here He saves to the uttermost, like Israel, but His saving. Goes our sin goes all the way to the uttermost the guttermost and his saving goes all the way to the uttermost and he's saving us and he's bringing us out i like this it says his saving always outpaces and overwhelms our sinning <laughs> yeah, it's like a runner. you know we run into sin jesus outpaces us and goes wait you know pulls us back an image of a of a race <laughs> It's hard for me not to talk about a race. <laughs> uh, my son Solomon was a, a fast uh, tr- track star here, and, and the greatest race, and we, we have it on tape, and we'll play it sometimes, is they were doing this relay, and everybody knew Solomon. You know, the whole track and state meet, and everything's on the line, and and, and even the points to win the t- as a team is on the line, and they're running this race, and it's a relay, and you need everybody to do their very best. And even though every one of our relay guys was doing their best, we were way behind, and uh, but everybody knew how much you know, Solomon could make up, and it looked like he couldn't make this one up. The other teams just did too good. They brought in different guys. They moved guys on their team. The, the whole team, not just this race, was on the line, but the winning as a team was on the line. And they handed it to him, and he started running. I was like, man, I hope he doesn't <laughs> injure himself because he's not going to make that up. And uh, there wasn't a lot of time to make it up. It was a shorter relay. And he started gaining on the guy. He closed the diff, the, the, like made up half of the 20 some yards in like the first and just got to within half of the way. And everybody said, I think that guy can do it. And even other people in the stands go, Can that guy catch that guy that's out there? You know, there's no way. And, and my son Josiah was there and we have the film on it and just starts, Josiah starts going, Yeah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all you can hear on the tape. And he comes and it's like, and it still looks like he's like, you know, five or 10 yards behind within 10 feet, but his, his momentum is just so fast. He just goes, and this guy's like, you know, just right at the line. He's like, and he's like, he won. You know, he came back and won. You know, and I think our hope is like that. Sometimes it, it, it feels like we're losing, but Jesus has caused us to enter that rest. Remember the rest He gave you, and remember that He's interceding on your behalf to keep you in that rest. That's the hope and the encouragement that I have for you is to, you know, I don't know if it's to say not not to be discouraged. It's hard not to be discouraged, Um, but even though we're discouraged, find the encouragement, you know, from the Lord, you know, to... To stay in his rest, enter his rest, and find ways to celebrate and enjoy the rest that, that God has given you. as we go to celebrate communion today, um, let us remember you know what Christ has done for us in His body and his blood. So let's grab, grab those night in the night that Jesus was betrayed. He took uh, the bread, broke it, and he passed it around, and he said, this is my body. He gave thanks to the Lord. He said, thank you, Lord, this is from you. And he said, but this bread given from the Lord for us in Jesus, his body, is broken for us. So remember Jesus, remember his body broken for you, and partake of the bread with thanksgiving. In like manner, he took the cup. He said, This is the blood, this is the cup of the new covenant my blood given for you for the remission of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember Jesus and partake of this cup together. Let's, as a congregation, let the fruit of our lips give thanks to his name together. Amen.